This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones. They have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included, and there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. A podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I've got a really nice uh, Rudyard Kipling story for you tonight. But before we get to the bedtime reading, I just want to thank our brand new sponsors on Patreon.com, where you can go and give a couple bucks to get a ad-free version of the show and be a part of making it. So, this week's new patrons, Cherie Massey, Tracy, Comedy Clumber Spaniels, Amy Wilburn, Lisa Cole, Janie Ledet, Annie Yakadis, Warner Stewart, Ahmad Hassanian, Tracy Garner, Julia Ramirez, Rick Sadel, Adaya Riggs, Falling Hawks, Homasar, Annie Brusher, and Katie Grant. Thank you all so, so much for being a part of making this show. It really, really means a lot. And for anyone who doesn't know, these names that I just read are brand new patrons on Patreon.com, which is a wonderful site where you can go and 
uh, support creators of the work that you like directly. So if the uh, podcast has helped you get a better night's sleep, maybe it's part of your nightly routine, consider going to patreon.com and donating even a dollar a month. No matter how much you donate, I will definitely read your name in the opening credits of the next show after you do. And if you donate uh, $2, again, you get a totally ad-free version of all 200-something episodes at this point. Uh, And at $5 a month, there's a whole extra uh, feed for poetry readings that are not on the regular podcast. Regardless, it would be great to have you as a part of making the show. If you want to do that, just go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio. Thank you. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover art for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Well, tonight, I have a wonderful little tale for you, um, and it is by Rudyard Kipling, famously known for writing The Jungle Book, and... Um, He also was a prolific short story writer. And the story that I'm going to be reading tonight is How the First Letter Was Written. I really, really enjoy his short stories, even though some of them didn't necessarily age uh, super well, but this one seems to have. And um, yeah, his writing is, is totally beautiful to read out loud and very sing-songy, definitely reminds me of something that I'd be read to as a kid to go to sleep. And I think it uh, doesn't matter how old you are, these kinds of stories are um, what make you feel safe and comforted when you go to bed. At least, that is the experience for me. And they're definitely the ones that I enjoy reading the most. So tonight, I hope you can sleep soundly to How the First Letter Was Written by Rudyard Kipling, written in 1902. You're going to hear this story told once so you can fall deep asleep, and then it's going to repeat itself so you can stay deep asleep. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. How the first letter was written. Once upon a most early time was a Neolithic man. He was not an Angle, or even a Dravidian, which he might have well been best beloved, but never mind why. He was a primitive, and he lived cavily in a cave, and he wore very few clothes, and he couldn't read and he couldn't write, and he didn't want to, and except when he was hungry, he was quite happy. His name was Tugamai Bopsalai, and that means man who does not put his foot forward in a hurry. But we, O best beloved, will call him Tugamai for short. And his wife's name was Tushumai Tuindro, and that means... Lady who asks very many questions. But we, O best beloved, will call her Tushimai, for sure. And his little girl daughter's name was Tafamai Medalamai, and that means small person without any manners who ought to be spanked. But I'm going to call her Taffy. And she was Tugamai Bopsalai's best beloved, and her own mommy's best beloved and she was not spanked half as much as was good for her, and they were all three very happy. As soon as Taffy could run about, she went everywhere with her daddy, Tugamai, 
and sometimes they would not come home to the cave till they were hungry. And then Tushimai to Windro would say, Where in the world have you two been to get so shocking dirty? Really, my Tugamai, you're no better than my Taffy. Now attend and listen. One day, Tugamai Bopsalai went down through the beaver swamp to the Wagai River to spear carpfish for dinner, and Taffy went too. Tugamai's spear was made of wood with shark's teeth at the end, and before he had caught any fish at all, he accidentally broke it clean across by jabbing it down too hard on the bottom of the river. They were miles and miles from home. Of course, they had their lunch with them in a little bag, and Tugamai had forgotten to bring any extra spears. Here's a pretty kettle of fish, said Tugamai. It will take me half the day to mend this. There's your big spear at home, said Taffy. Let me run back to the cave and ask Mummy to give it to me. It's too far for your little fat legs, said Tugamai. Besides, you might fall into the beaver swamp and be drowned. We must make the best of a bad job. He sat down and took out a little leather mendy bag full of reindeer sinews and strips of leather and lumps of beeswax and resin and began to mend the spear. Taffy sat down too, with her toes in the water and her chin in her hand, and thought very hard. Then she said, I say, Daddy, it's an awful nuisance that you and I don't know how to write, isn't it? If we did, we could send a message for the new spear. Taffy, said Tugamai, how often have I told you not to use slang? Awful isn't a pretty word, but it would be a convenience, now you mention it, if we could write home. Just then a stranger man came along the river, but he belonged to a far tribe the Tauras, and he did not understand one word of Tugamai's language. He stood on the bank and smiled at Taffy because he had a little girl daughter of his own at home. Tugamai drew a hank of deer sinews from his mendy bag and began to mend his spear. Come here, said Taffy. Do you know where my mummy lives? And the stranger man said, Um, be, as you know, a Tauro. Silly, said Taffy, and she stamped her foot because she saw a shoal of a very big carp going up the river just when her daddy couldn't use his spear. Don't bother, grown-up, said Tugamai, so busy with his spear mending that he did not turn around. I aren't said Taffy. I only want him to do what I want him to do. Then he won't understand. Then don't bother me, said Tugamai. Then he went on pulling and straining at the deer sinews with his mouth full of loose ends. The stranger man, a genuine Taura he was, sat down on the grass and Taffy showed him what her daddy was doing. The stranger man thought, this is a very wonderful child. She stamps her foot at me and she makes faces. She must be the daughter of that noble chief who is so great that he won't take any notice of me. So he smiled more politely than ever. Now, said Taffy, I want you to go to my mummy because your legs are longer than mine and you won't fall into the beaver swamp and ask for daddy's other spear, the one with the black handle that hangs over our fireplace. The stranger man, and he was a Tauro, thought, this is a very, very wonderful child. She waves her arms and she shouts at me 
that I don't understand a word of what she says. But if I don't do what she wants, I greatly fear that that haughty chief, man who turns his back on callers, will be angry. He got up and twisted a big flat piece of bark off a birch tree and gave it to Taffy. He did this, best beloved, to show that his heart was as white as the birch bark and that he meant no harm. But Taffy didn't quite understand. Oh, said she, now I see. You want my mummy's living address. Of course I can't write, but I can draw pictures if I have anything sharp to scratch with. Please lend me the shark's tooth off your necklace. The stranger man, and he was a tower, didn't say anything. So Taffy put up her little hand and pulled at the beautiful bead and seed and shark tooth necklace round his neck. The stranger man thought, this is a very, very wonderful child. The shark's tooth on my necklace is a magic shark's tooth, and I was always told that if anyone touched it without my leave, they would immediately swell up or burst. But this child doesn't swell up or burst, and that important chief, man who attends strictly to his business, who has not yet taken notice of me at all, doesn't seem to be afraid that she will swell up or burst. I had better be more polite. So he gave Taffy the shark's tooth, and she lay down flat on her tummy with her legs in the air, like some people on the drawing room floor when they want to draw pictures. And she said, now I'll draw you some beautiful pictures. You can look over my shoulder, but you mustn't joggle. First, I'll draw Daddy fishing. It isn't very like him, but Mommy will know, because I've drawn his spear all broken. Well, now I'll draw the other spear that he wants, the black-handled spear. It looks as if it was sticking in Daddy's back, but that's because the shark tooth slipped and this piece of bark isn't big enough. That's the spear I want you to fetch. So I'll draw a picture of me, myself, explaining to you. My hair doesn't stand up like I've drawn, but it's easier to draw that way. Now I'll draw you. I think you're very nice, really, but I can't make you pretty in the picture, so you mustn't be offended. Are you offended? The stranger man smiled. He thought, there must be a big battle going to be fought somewhere, and this extraordinary child who takes my magic sharks to, who does not swell up or burst, is telling me to call all the great chief's tribe to help him. He is a great chief, or he would have noticed me. Look, said Taffy, drawing very hard and rather scratchily. Now I've drawn you, and I've put the spear that Daddy wants into your hand, just to remind you that you are to bring it. Now I'll show you how to find my mummy's living address. You go along till you come to two trees. Those are trees. And then you go over a hill. That's a hill. And then you come into a beaver swamp, all full of beavers. I haven't put in all the beavers because I can't draw beavers. But I've drawn their heads. And that's all you'll see of them when you cross the swamp. Mind you don't fall in. Then our cave is just beyond the beaver swamp. It isn't as high as the hills really but I can't draw things very small. That's my mummy outside. She is beautiful. She is the most beautifulest mummy there ever was. But she won't be offended when she sees I've drawn her so plain. 
She'll be pleased to me because I can draw. Now, in case you forget, I've drawn the spear that Daddy wants outside our cave. It's inside, really, but you show the picture to my mummy and she'll give it to you. I've made her holding up her hands because I know she'll be so pleased to see you. Isn't it a beautiful picture? And do you quite understand? Or shall I explain again? The stranger man looked at the picture and nodded very hard. He said to himself, If I do not fetch this great chief's tribe to help him, he will be slain by his enemies who are coming up on all sides with spears. Now I see why the great chief pretended not to notice me. He feared that his enemies were hiding in the bushes and would see him deliver a message to me. Therefore, he turned his back and let the wise and wonderful child draw the terrible picture showing me his difficulties. I will away and get help for him from his tribe. He did not even ask Taffy the roan, but raced off into the bushes like the wind, with the birch bark in his hand, and Taffy sat down, most pleased. What have you been doing, Taffy? said Tugamai. He had mended his spear and was carefully waving it to and fro. It's a little arrangement of my own, Daddy dear, said Taffy. If you won't ask me questions, you'll know all about it in a little time, and you'll be surprised. You don't know how surprised you'll be, Daddy. Promise you'll be surprised. Very well, said Tugamai, and went on fishing. The stranger man, did he know he was a Torah, hurried away with the picture and ran for some miles till quite by accident he found Tushimai Tewendro at the door of her cave, talking to some other Neolithic ladies who had come in to a primitive lunch. Taffy was very much like Tushimai, especially about the upper part of her face and eyes. So the stranger man, always a pure Tewara, smiled politely, then handed Tushimai the birch bark. He had run hard, so that he panted, and his legs were scratched with brambles, but he still tried to be polite. As soon as Tushimai saw the picture, she screamed like anything and flew at the stranger man. The other Neolithic ladies at once knocked him down and sat on him in a line of six while Tushimai pulled his hair. It's as plain as the nose on this stranger man's face, she said. He has struck my Tugumai all full of spears and frightened poor Taffy so that her hair stands all on end. And not content with that, he brings me a horrid picture of how it was done. Look. She showed the picture to all the Neolithic ladies sitting patiently on the stranger man. Here's my Tugamai with his arm broken. Here's a spear sticking into his back. Here's a man with a spear ready to throw. Here's another man throwing a spear from a cave. And here are a whole pack of people. They were Taffy's beavers, really, but they did rather look like people. Coming up behind Tugamai. Isn't it shocking? Most shocking, said the Neolithic ladies. And they filled the stranger man's hair with mud. At which she was surprised. And they beat upon the reverberating tribal drums and called together all the chiefs of the tribe of Tugamai with their hetmans and dolmans, wounds and akuns of the organization, in addition to the warlocks, anger cocks, juju men, 
Bonzis and the rest, who decided that before they chopped the stranger man's head off, he should instantly lead them down to the river and show them where he had hidden poor Taffy. By this time, the stranger man, in spite of being a towerer, was really annoyed. They had filled his hair quite solid with mud. They had rolled him up and down on knobby pebbles. They had sat upon him in a long line of six. They had thumped him and bumped him till he could hardly breathe. And though he did not understand their language, he was almost sure that the names the Neolithic ladies called him were not ladylike. However, he said nothing to all the tribe of Tugamai were assembled, and then he led them back to the bank of the Wagai River, and there they found Taffy making daisy chains, and Tugamai carefully spearing small carp with his mended spear. Well, you have been quick, said Taffy, but why did you bring so many people? Daddy, dear, this is my surprise. Are you surprised, Daddy? Very, said Tugamai, but it has ruined all my fishing for the day. Why, the whole dear, kind, nice, clean, quiet tribe is here, Taffy. And so they were. First of all walked Tashimai to Windra and the Neolithic ladies, tightly holding on to the stranger man, whose hair was full of mud, although he was a Tewara. Behind them came the head chief, the vice chief, the deputy and assistant chiefs, all armed to the upper teeth. The hetmans and heads of hundreds Lightoffs with their platoons, and dolmens with their detachments, wounds and acoons ranging in the rear, still armed to the teeth. Behind them was the tribe in hierarchical order, from owners of four caves, one for each season, a private reindeer run, and two salmon leaps, the feudal and prognathus villains semi-entitled to half a bearskin of winter nights, seven yards from the fire, and adscript serfs, holding the reversion of a scraped marrow bone under a harriet. Aren't those beautiful words, best beloved? They were all there, prancing and shouting, and they frightened every fish for twenty miles, and Tugamai thanked them in a fluid Neolithic oration. Then Tushimai Toindra ran down and kissed and hugged Taffy very much indeed. But the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai took Tugamai by the topknot feathers and shook him severely. Explain, 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 cried all the tribe of Tugamai. Goodness sakes alive, said Tugamai, let go of my topknot. Can't a man break his carp spear without the whole countryside descending on him? You're a very interfering people. I don't believe you've brought my daddy's black-handled spear at all, said Taffy. And what are you doing to my nice stranger man? They were thumping him by twos and threes and tens till his eyes turned round and round. He could only gasp and point at Taffy. Where are the bad people who speared you, my darling? said Tushimai to Windra. There weren't any, said Tugamai. My only visitor this morning was the poor fellow that you are trying to choke. Aren't you well, or are you ill, O tribe of Tugamai? He came with a horrible picture, said the head chief, a picture that showed you were full of spears. Or, um, perhaps I'd better explain that I gave him that picture, said Taffy. But she did not feel quite comfy. 
You, said the tribe two mile together. Small person with no manners who ought to be spanked. You. Taffy dear, I'm afraid we're in for a little trouble, said her daddy, and put his arm around her so she didn't care. Explain, 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 said the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai, and he hopped on one foot. I wanted the stranger man to fetch daddy's spear, so I drawed it, said Tavi. There wasn't lots of spears. There was only one spear. I drawed it three times to make sure. I couldn't help it looking as if it stuck into daddy's head. There wasn't room on the birch bar, and those things that mummy called bad people are my beavers. I drawed them to show him the way through the swamp, and I drawed mummy at the mouth of the cave, looking pleased because he is a nice stranger man. And I think you are just the stupidest people in the world, said Taffy. He is a very nice man. Why have you filled his hair with mud? Wash him. Nobody said anything at all for a long time, till the head chief laughed. Then the stranger man laughed. Then Tugamai laughed till he fell down flat on the bank. And then all the tribe laughed more and worse and louder. The only people who did not laugh were Tushamai Tawindro and all the Neolithic ladies. They were very polite to all their husbands and said, idiot, ever so often. Then the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai cried and said and sang, Oh, small person without any manners who ought to be spanked, you've hit upon a great invention. I didn't intend to. I only wanted daddy's black-handled spear, said Daffy. Never mind, it is a great invention, and someday men will call it writing. At present, it is only pictures, and as we have seen today, pictures are not always properly understood. But a time will come, O babe of Tugamai, when we shall make letters, all twenty-six of them, and we shall be able to read as well as to write, and then we shall always say exactly what we mean without any mistakes. Let the Neolithic ladies wash the mud out of the stranger's hair. I shall be glad of that, said Taffy, because after all, though you've brought every single other spear in the tribe of Tugamai, you've forgotten my daddy's black-handled spear. Then the head chief cried and said and sang, Taffy, dear, the next time you write a picture letter, you'd better send a man who can talk our language with it to explain what it means. I don't mind it myself, because I am a head chief, but it's very bad for the rest of the tribe of Tugamai. And as you can see, it surprises the stranger. Then they adopted the stranger man, a genuine Tawara of Tawar into the tribe of Tugamai, because he was a gentleman and did not make a fuss about the mud that the Neolithic ladies put into his hair. But from that day to this, and I suppose it is all Taffy's fault, very few little children have ever liked learning to read or write. Most of them prefer to draw pictures and play about with their daddies, just like Taffy. How the first letter was written. Once upon a most early time was a Neolithic man. He was not an Angle or even a Dravidian, which he might have well been best beloved, but never mind why. 
He was a primitive, and he lived cavily in a cave, and he wore very few clothes, and he couldn't read, and he couldn't write, and he didn't want to, and except when he was hungry, he was quite happy. His name was Tugamai Bopsalai, and that means man who does not put his foot forward in a hurry. But we, O best beloved, will call him Tugamai for short. And his wife's name was Tushumai Tuindro, and that means lady who asks very many questions. But we, O best beloved, will call her Tushumai for short. And his little girl daughter's name was Tafamai Metalamai, and that means small person without any manners who ought to be spanked. But I'm going to call her Taffy. And she was Tugamai Bopsalai's best beloved, and her own mommy's best beloved. And she was not spanked half as much as was good for her, and they were all three very happy. As soon as Taffy could run about, she went everywhere with her daddy, Tugamai, and sometimes they would not come home to the cave till they were hungry. And then Tushimai Tuwindro would say, Where in the world have you two been to get so shocking dirty? Really, my Tugamai, you're no better than my Taffy. Now attend and listen. One day, Tugamai Bopsalai went down through the beaver swamp to the Wagai River, the spear carpfish for dinner, and Taffy went too. Tugamai's spear was made of wood with shark's teeth at the end, and before he had caught any fish at all, he accidentally broke it clean across by jabbing it down too hard on the bottom of the river. They were miles and miles from home. Of course, they had their lunch with them in a little bag, and Tugamai had forgotten to bring any extra spears. Here's a pretty kettle of fish, said Tugamai. It will take me half the day to mend this. There's your big spear at home, said Taffy. Let me run back to the cave and ask Mummy to give it to me. It's too far for your little fat legs, said Tugamai. Besides, you might fall into the beaver swamp and be drowned. We must make the best of a bad job. He sat down and took out a little leather mendy bag full of reindeer sinews and strips of leather and lumps of beeswax and resin and began to mend the spear. Taffy sat down too with her toes in the water and her chin in her hand, and thought very hard. Then she said, I say, Daddy, it's an awful nuisance that you and I don't know how to write, isn't it? If we did, we could send a message for the new spear. Taffy said to Gamai, How often have I told you not to use slang? Awful isn't a pretty word but it would be a convenience, now you mention it, if we could write home. Just then a stranger man came along the river, but he belonged to a far tribe, the Tauras, and he did not understand one word of Tugamai's language. He stood on the bank and smiled at Taffy, because he had a little girl daughter of his own at home. Tugamai drew a hank of deer sinews from his mendy bag and began to mend his spear. Come here, said Taffy. Do you know where my mummy lives? And the stranger man said, Um, be, as you know, a Torah. Silly, said Taffy, and she stamped her foot because she saw a shoal of a very big carp going up the river just when her daddy couldn't use his spear. Don't bother, grown-up, said Tugamai, so busy with his spear mending that he did not turn around. I aren't, said Taffy, 
I only want him to do what I want him to do. Then he won't understand. Then don't bother me, said Tugamai. And he went on pulling and straining at the deer sinews with his mouth full of loose ends. The stranger man, a genuine Taura he was, sat down on the grass, and Taffy showed him what her daddy was doing. The stranger man thought, this is a very wonderful child. She stamps her foot at me and she makes faces. She must be the daughter of that noble chief who is so great that he won't take any notice of me. So he smiled more politely than ever. Now, said Taffy, I want you to go to my mummy because your legs are longer than mine and you won't fall into the beaver swamp and ask for daddy's other spear, the one with the black handle that hangs over our fireplace. The stranger man, and he was a Taura, thought, this is a very, very wonderful child. She waves her arms and she shouts at me, but I don't understand a word of what she says. But if I don't do what she wants, I greatly fear that that haughty chief man who turns his back on callers will be angry. He got up and twisted a big flat piece of bark off a birch tree and gave it to Taffy. He did this, best beloved, to show that his heart was as white as the birch bark and that he meant no harm. But Taffy didn't quite understand. Oh, said she, now I see. You want my mummy's living address. Of course I can't write, but I can draw pictures if I have anything sharp to scratch with. Please lend me the shark's tooth off your necklace. The stranger man, and he was a tower, didn't say anything. So Taffy put up her little hand and pulled at the beautiful bead and seed and shark tooth necklace round his neck. The stranger man thought, this is a very, very wonderful child. The shark's tooth on my necklace is a magic shark's tooth, and I was always told that if anyone touched it without my leave, they would immediately swell up or burst. But this child doesn't swell up or burst, and that important chief, man who attends strictly to his business, who has not yet taken notice of me at all, doesn't seem to be afraid that she will swell up or burst. I had better be more polite. So he gave Taffy the shark's tooth, and she lay down flat on her tummy with her legs in the air, like some people on the drawing room floor when they want to draw pictures. And she said, Now I'll draw you some beautiful pictures. You can look over my shoulder, but you mustn't joggle. First, I'll draw Daddy fishing. It isn't very like him, but Mummy will know, because I've drawn his spear all broken. Well, now I'll draw the other spear that he wants, the black-handled spear. It looks as if it was sticking in Daddy's back. But that's because the shark tooth slipped and this piece of bark isn't big enough. That's the spear I want you to fetch. So I'll draw a picture of me, myself, explaining to you. My hair doesn't stand up like I've drawn, but it's easier to draw that way. Now I'll draw you. I think you're very nice, really, but I can't make you pretty in the picture, so... You mustn't be offended. Are you offended? The stranger man smiled. He thought, there must be a big battle going to be fought somewhere, and this extraordinary child who takes my magic sharks to, who does not swell up or burst, is telling me to call all the great chief's tribe to help him. He is a great chief, 
or he would have noticed me. Look, said Taffy, drawing very hard and rather scratchily. Now I've drawn you, and I've put the spear that Daddy wants into your hand, just to remind you that you're to bring it. Now I'll show you how to find my mummy's living address. You go along till you come to two trees. Those are trees. And then you go over a hill. That's a hill. And then you come into a beaver swamp, all full of beavers. I haven't put in all the beavers because I can't draw beavers. But I've drawn their heads. And that's all you'll see of them when you cross the swamp. Mind you don't fall in. Then our cave is just beyond the beaver swamp. It isn't as high as the hills really, but I can't draw things very small. That's my mummy outside. She is beautiful. She is the most beautifulest mummy there ever was. But she won't be offended when she sees I've drawn her so plain. She'll be pleased to me because I can draw. Now, in case you forget, I've drawn the spear that Daddy wants outside our cave. It's inside, really, but you show the picture to my mummy and she'll give it to you. I've made her holding up her hands because I know she'll be so pleased to see you. Isn't it a beautiful picture? And do you quite understand? Or shall I explain again? The stranger man looked at the picture and nodded very hard. He said to himself, If I do not fetch this great chief's tribe to help him, he will be slain by his enemies who are coming up on all sides with spears. Now I see why the great chief pretended not to notice me. He feared that his enemies were hiding in the bushes and would see him deliver a message to me. Therefore, he turned his back and let the wise and wonderful child draw the terrible picture showing me his difficulties. I will away and get help for him from his tribe. He did not even ask Taffy the roan, but raced off into the bushes like the wind with the birch bark in his hand, and Taffy sat down, most pleased. What have you been doing, Taffy? said Tugamai. He had mended his spear and was carefully waving it to and fro. It's a little arrangement of my own, Daddy dear, said Taffy. If you won't ask me questions, you'll know all about it in a little time. You'll be surprised. You don't know how surprised you'll be, Daddy. Promise you'll be surprised. Very well, said Tugamai, and went on fishing. The stranger man, did he know he was a Torah, hurried away with the picture and ran for some miles, till quite by accident he found Tushimai Tewendro at the door of her cave talking to some other Neolithic ladies who had come in to a primitive lunch. Taffy was very much like Tushimai, especially about the upper part of her face and eyes. So the stranger man, always a pure Taura, smiled politely, then handed Tushimai the birch bark. He had run hard, so that he panted, and his legs were scratched with brambles, but he still tried to be polite. As soon as Tushimai saw the picture, she screamed like anything and flew at the stranger man. The other Neolithic ladies at once knocked him down and sat on him in a line of six while Tushimai pulled his hair. It's as plain as the nose on this stranger man's face, she said. He has struck my Tugumai, all full of spears, 
and frighten poor Taffy so that her hair stands all on end. And not content with that, he brings me a horrid picture of how it was done. Look. She showed the picture to all the Neolithic ladies sitting patiently on the stranger man. Here's my Tugamai with his arm broken. Here's a spear sticking into his back. Here's a man with a spear ready to throw. There's another man throwing a spear from a cave. And here are a whole pack of people. They were Taffy's beavers, really, but they did rather look like people. Coming up behind Tugamai. Isn't it shocking? Most shocking, said the Neolithic ladies. And they filled the stranger man's hair with mud. At which she was surprised. And they beat upon the reverberating tribal drums. And called together all the chiefs of the tribe of Tugamai. With their hetmans and dolmans, wounds and akuns of the organization. In addition to the warlocks, angercocks, juju men, bonzis and the rest. Who decided that before they chopped the stranger man's head off. He should instantly lead them down to the river and show them where he had hidden poor Taffy. By this time, the stranger man, in spite of being a towera, was really annoyed. They had filled his hair quite solid with mud. They had rolled him up and down on knobby pebbles. They had sat upon him in a long line of six. They had thumped him and bumped him till he could hardly breathe. And though he did not understand their language, he was almost sure that the names the Neolithic ladies called him were not ladylike. However, he said nothing till all the tribe of Tugamai were assembled. And then he led them back to the bank of the Wagai River. And there they found Taffy making daisy chains and Tugamai carefully spearing small carp with his mended spear. Well, you have been quick, said Taffy, but why did you bring so many people? Daddy, dear, this is my surprise. Are you surprised, Daddy? Very, said Tugamai, but it has ruined all my fishing for the day. Why? The whole dear, kind, nice, clean, quiet tribe is here, Taffy. And so they were. First of all walked Tashimai to Windra and the Neolithic ladies, tightly holding on to the stranger man, whose hair was full of mud, although he was a Torah. Behind them came the head chief, the vice chief, the deputy and assistant chiefs, all armed to the upper teeth. The hetmans and heads of hundreds, playoffs with their platoons, and dolmans with their detachments, wounds and akuns ranging in the rear, still armed to the teeth. Behind them was the tribe in hierarchical order, from owners of four caves, one for each season, a private reindeer run, and two salmon leaps, the feudal and prognathus villains, semi-entitled to half a bearskin of winter nights, seven yards from the fire, and adscript serfs, holding the reversion of a scraped marrow bone under a harriet. Aren't those beautiful words, best beloved? They were all there, prancing and shouting, and they frightened every fish for twenty miles, and Tugamai thanked them in a fluid Neolithic oration. Then Tushimai Toindra ran down and kissed and hugged Taffy very much indeed. But the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai took Tugamai by the top knot feathers and shook him severely. Explain, explain, explain cried all the tribe of Tugamai. Goodness sakes alive, said Tugamai, 
let go of my top knot. Can't a man break his carp's beer without the whole countryside descending on him? You're a very interfering people. I don't believe you've brought my daddy's black-handled spear at all, said Taffy. And what are you doing to my nice stranger man? They were thumping him by twos and threes and tens till his eyes turned round and round. He could only gasp and point at Taffy. Where are the bad people who speared you, my darling? said Tushamai to Windrow. There weren't any, said Tugamai. My only visitor this morning was the poor fellow that you are trying to choke. Aren't you well, or are you ill, O tribe of Tugamai? He came with a horrible picture, said the head chief, a picture that showed you were full of spears. Or, um, perhaps I better explain that I gave him that picture, said Taffy. But she did not feel quite comfy. You, said the tribe Tugamile together. Small person with no manners who ought to be spanked. You. Taffy, dear, I'm afraid we're in for a little trouble, said her daddy, and put his arm around her so she didn't care. Explain, 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 said the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai, and he hopped on one foot. I wanted the stranger man to fetch Daddy's spear, so I drawed it, said Tavi. There wasn't lots of spears. There was only one spear. I drawed it three times to make sure. I couldn't help it looking as if it stuck into Daddy's head. There wasn't room on the birch bar, and those things that Mummy called bad people are my beavers. I drawed them to show him the way through the swamp, and I drawed Mummy at the mouth of the cave, looking pleased because he is a nice stranger man. And I think you are just the stupidest people in the world," said Taffy. He is a very nice man. Why have you filled his hair with mud? Wash him. Nobody said anything at all for a long time, till the head chief laughed. Then the stranger man laughed. Then Tugamai laughed till he fell down flat on the bank. And then all the tribe laughed more and worse and louder. The only people who did not laugh were Tushamai Tawindro and all the Neolithic ladies. They were very polite to all their husbands, and said, idiot, ever so often. Then the head chief of the tribe of Tugamai cried and said and sang, O small person without any manners who ought to be spanked, you hit upon a great invention. I didn't intend to, I only wanted Daddy's black-handled spear, said Daffy. Never mind, it is a great invention, and someday men will call it writing. At present, it is only pictures, and as we have seen today, pictures are not always properly understood. But a time will come, O babe of Tugamai, when we shall make letters all twenty-six of them, and we shall be able to read as well as to write, and then we shall always say exactly what we mean without any mistakes. Let the Neolithic ladies wash the mud out of the stranger's hair. I shall be glad of that, said Taffy, because after all, though you've brought every single other spear in the tribe of Tugamai, You've forgotten my daddy's black-handled spear. Then the head chief cried and said and sang, Taffy, dear, the next time you write a picture letter, you'd better send a man who can talk our language with it to explain what it means. I don't mind it myself, 
because I am a head chief, but it's very bad for the rest of the tribe of Tugumai. And as you can see, it surprises the stranger. Then they adopted the stranger man, a genuine Tawara of Tawar, into the tribe of Tugumai, because he was a gentleman and did not make a fuss about the mud that the Neolithogladies put into his hair. But from that day to this, and I suppose it is all Taffy's fault, very few little children have ever liked learning to read or write. Most of them prefer to draw pictures and play about with their daddies, just like Taffy. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.